0: the subject for the evening talk is Love through Relatedness (coughs) Owing to the type of World and society in which we are living, there is always risk, danger, possibilities of circumstances affecting human beings in a way which. Is barely noticeable. And one of the dangers either already actualizing or in potential is of human beings, concerned human beings losing touch with the deeper intimations. Of life and of being. And living in this world with its vast technological and mechanical resources and emphasis, with its vast repertoire of interpretation and conceptualization an enormous pressure for human beings to fit into the technological world, there is a real possibility of human beings losing touch with their feelings, with their intuition, with their heart. And all that <coughs> gives beauty... Life during the during our life this shift an emphasis on the technological world goes at such an alarming speed that it's as though very easily and frequently we are dragged along by the circumstances of it. And there's very little consideration given to an ethical way of living, to spiritual values to the profound significance of love and being related, being related to each other. And it's rather as though in stopping to take a fresh look at things, if we are to find love And allow that warmth and pervasiveness of it to actually flow out of our hearts. We have to first be aware of the obstructions. Face up to what is preventing the flow and the rhythm of love, warmth, affection, compassion, gratitude, receptivity, sensitivity. Reverence, devotion, but to see what actually obstructs and hinders that flow, and also to accompany that with an actual living emphasis in our life of what we are feeling, what we're really feeling. And that not only applies to human beings who are engaged in work which is largely cerebral and thought-ridden, but also to human beings who are losing contact. Losing contact with the outer, losing contact with the inner. And I was rather reminded of all of this from a brief note that was in a a magazine which was sent to me. There's a note which is basically a, a comment and an appreciation of a student, a university student, who last year committed suicide. And it seems, I don't suppose it's so unusual, that sometimes the loss of relatedness to others and to life very easily brings out of us Terrible feelings of alienation, despair, the sense of being, as it were, adrift in some way or other from the rest of the planet. And we probably all have experienced in life this sense of being cut off, being unrelated, and not knowing just where we are in, rela- in relationship to others or another. It is rather a sad thing for us as people that when this happens and with all the identification and conviction of alienation that accompanies it we begin to imagine that's the way things are. We begin to imagine somehow or other that's what life is or that's what our life is. Separateness, distance, coldness, lack of communication, being frozen out of it all. And there are some people, and from this piece which I'd just like to read to you with regard to the student, who find themselves, and some of you may have had this experience, trained into a particular mould. With all the support, the social support, the social recognition which can go along with it, not perhaps realizing what's actually involved, <coughs> seeing perhaps that there's a destructiveness with what's being involved, and then facing the unbearable situation of not being connected you're, you're trained for a work you're trained for an activity you find yourself in it and you feel completely dis- disconnected and there's a great deal of pain and depression which can <coughs> accompany it and one doesn't know one doesn't one's heart one's mind one's inner resources don't doesn't know how to find that relatedness again and that relatedness, a kind of intangible sense in life along which love is along the lines of that relatedness love flows easily and effortlessly even though we can't, it's not tangible in any any way and so sometimes a human being finds himself or in her, herself in Terrible conflict between some sense of relatedness and yet some activity which is alienating. This piece was written by a friend named Henrik Skolomowski who used to be the some years ago was the professor in oh sorry, the what is called in Dartington College which is a couple of miles from my home, was called the uh, philosopher in residence. He then moved to the States, and he's the professor of philosophy at the University of uh, Michigan in the States, and Ann Arbor in the States. And Heinrich is one of the spokespersons for the Green Movement, for what is generally called uh, eco-philosophy. So, this is about uh, 15 months ago, actually. On October the 16th, 1985, a student of the University of Michigan at Ann Arbor by the name of Richard Grabowski committed suicide. He was not entangled in any hopeless personal affair. He was not a failing student either he was actually close to graduation and a good job was awaiting him. Or, we should, or should we say a well-paid job was awaiting him as he was graduating, a graduating student of aerospace engineering. And here lies the root of the tragedy. As a good student, he was under pressure both from within himself and from outside to take a job with a prestigious company. It is only then that he would succeed as was expected of him. His choices were narrowed to NASA and Douglas. However, in each of these companies, he would have to design weapons, weapons systems. And after having examined his conscience in depth, he came to the conclusion that he could not be a part of the machinery of death. His story unveils like a Greek tragedy with the inevitability that defies reason. He was taught to rely on rationality as the most important component of his being. It seemed that this rationality became a noose around his neck. During my 15 years of teaching at the Department of Humanities at the College of Engineering at the University of Michigan, I observed over and over again that students of engineering often feel that hard rationality excludes their emotions or even participation in general culture. Their shell of rationality is often so hard that they have difficulties in coping with life. Let us emphasize that Grabowski's exit was not a singular exception, but an especially eloquent case, as he was completely lucid about the forces and circumstances that cornered him and checkedmate his existence. In his suicide note, Grubelski explicitly stated,, quote, "If I were to live out my potential, I would only destroy life." I have such unbounded respect for the practical applications of physical ideas that I would go so far as to murder humans. I'm incapable of love." I am incapable of compassion. I can only respect rational, physical ideas. It is for this reason that I must die. If I were to continue living, I would only prolong my death. I cannot live by any sense of my imagination producing weapons. At the very first paragraph, Heinrich asks the question. Who has killed Rich Grabowski? We have killed him. By not allowing him to find a way out. By imposing on him the form of rationality that led him to suicide. And above all, by denying love and compassion to him which would blunt the cruel knife of his rationality perhaps in our experience of life with all the rationality of thought which has been imposed upon us It is, as is pointed out in that uh, note there, of such an order inwardly that it brings about a certain kind of hardness, a hardening, a hardening which easily ends up with a strong adherence to ideas, (coughs) to the physical forms. And somehow or other, there's a, this veneer, this wall, this factor which runs across our brain cells, across our psyche, hinders this access to something else. <coughs> and perhaps our meditations and our looking and our <coughs> working on our self is somehow to nourish The feeling factor, the feeling element in our life. Not only to nourish it as a feeling, not only to feel, but to feel in relationship to. One can just sit at times and just feel and allow oneself to feel, and sometimes there's a tremendous necessity, if not urgency, to do that. But that feeling factor within ourselves almost must also open itself it must open itself in such a way that it becomes the, the thread the invisible thread which connects one to another to another to another <coughs> and perhaps our responsibility and our awareness is really to make this accessible, this deeper intimation is to really let go and to give up in an inner way all that we think we are. And not only all that we think we are but correspondingly in our relatedness as human beings, to give up all the ideas and interpretations of who we think and label somebody else is. Because I'm sure you've noticed, as we notice frequently, when our mind moves with its labels, We fix people in countless ways and each expression of that is a, a kind of apartheid. It's an active discrimination. We do that in the statements that we make about people of different nations. We do that in the way that we relate to young people, the way that we relate to old. We do that in the way that we relate to genders. We, we do that in the way that we relate to people who are famous and who are not famous, people who are successful and not su- successful, to the rich, to the poor, to the healthy, to the sick. We find ourselves constantly fixing people. And in this fixing of people, we select, we are dis- discriminatory. and it's sometimes we can't see this rational mind can't see its way through these countless discriminations we can't forget it so frequently for a moment what what we think we are what we think other people are are so much influenced by interpretations by a person's past perceived or imagined perhaps meditative awareness and observation and silence are profoundly related here Because in that profound relationship we actually don't know in this room, in these days that we've been spending here together, we don't know much about each other. We barely know anything about the kind of home or family or background or education or, or country or whatever. <coughs> There are very, <coughs> very few clues as to who that person is who's sitting next to you. What she or he is going through as you've been sitting in here day in and day out. There's very little intimation, very little knowledge. And so that what much of what we see about another, much of it we begin to acknowledge is terribly subjective. We we bring in our mind, we we bring in the ordinary ways of knowing people, important and as valuable as they may be through talking, through eye contact, through the written word, through touch. And we feel frequently this is the only access for relatedness. And perhaps a meditative awareness and a silence which pervades that meditative awareness gives you and I the opportunity to get to know, to be related to, and that's how knowing comes, through another avenue, (laughs) through a way which is completely unfamiliar. That one can experience in life, feelings in life, of being deeply close to, without having said a word, without having written a note, without touch, without eye contact. Nanda once said to the Buddha, this life that we are leading, you might call it a spiritual life or a conscious life, a life of awareness and concern, this life which we are uh, leading, is half of it led? Purely for the purpose of this relatedness, this being together in life, and this profound, deep awareness of being together is half of this life, this spiritual practice, this way of conscious living is half of it led for that, And the Buddha turned to Ananda. And he said to Ananda, don't say that. He said, the whole of this life is led for that. The whole of this way of living is for this relatedness and to understand and know it and feel it and experience it. I wonder again whether the hardness which can show itself in ourselves must be lovingly and sensitively worked with to find within ourselves something soft. Very, very soft. Not to confuse softness please with, with, with weakness. Or weakness is a, a label. Weakness, when we use that judgmental term, is 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 born out of fear. Softness within one's being is something else again. And sometimes when we see within ourselves the kind of movement which takes place, that movement sometimes is, shall I do this or shall I not? Perhaps it's appropriate for us as human beings with tremendous capacity to, to listen to the soft place, to trust in that place which is at a deeper level of being. And sometimes in the moments of a sitting, in the moments of a single day, the countless, countless moments, that inwardness, when, it, when it's opened out, there's relatedness immediately. In that relatedness, the sense of that relatedness, it's as though and is the substance of individuality. This versus that. This difference against that. Comparing this with that. And all that takes place. It's as though that doesn't really have any meaning <coughs> whatsoever. Has no bearing on real living. It's like it's a phantom, a, a, a dream, a, a, a mirage, these differences. Have no has no truth in it. Look at our relatedness to the earth. Our relatedness to the temperature. Our relatedness to the air. Our relatedness to movement, to liquid, to water. Our relatedness to what's above us and below us and behind us, in front of us and to our sides. Can there be any existence, without, above, below, in front, besides, beneath? Sometimes the heart, the human heart, if not in various times and stages of our life, is touched, is opened by a situation, by a place, by a particular by a book, by a person by a meditation, by an insight and then sometimes within that it it just falls within its context within its context of a particular And perhaps we can, perhaps, if possible, remind ourselves that when the heart is open, the human capacity is to open it a step further. And a step further. I have a friend. told me he had read just about everything under the sun especially philosophy and Buddhism books on social political realities commentaries etc and he knew what was wrong outwardly He sensed what was wrong in himself. And he felt he just couldn't do anything about it. He was constructed this way. He was fixed in his thought world. And that was it. He tried meditation. It hadn't changed anything. Been to a therapist. It hadn't changed anything. And he felt cut off from that deep place, that soft soft place which reveals life in its awesomeness. And he came to India and he went to one of the hill stations during the hot season and was just staying up there, living in one of the small houses up there. And the friend, a neighbor, another westerner, Said that she was going down to uh, the plains and she asked him to look after her cat and two kittens. And he said to me, for the first few days, he would just give the food, give some milk do his duty and return. And one day while over there, he began to play with one of the kittens. Stroking the kitten and just playing with the kitten. And he said in the very process of this playfulness and this contact, he said he was really realized for once in his life, he wasn't in his head. And he found through this kitten something which he had said he'd been looking for his whole life. (laughs) Relatedness. And as he made friends with the kitten And the kitten made friends with him. He began making friends with life. This person is from, uh, incidentally, is from uh, South Africa. And uh, for several years... We've been friends for a number of years and for several years, in fact, has been uh, a monk now in uh, Sri Lanka. And sometimes when, as I say, the heart is touched, there's a communication and expression which takes place. It's as though that relatedness is just for itself. It's not like the, the present is being used for something else. It's not that the present is being used to take one's ideas and so forth and convert it to something else. But the re- relatedness is its own fulfillment. Mm. Is its own nourishment in life. And perhaps in our forgetfulness, which is perhaps the most outstanding of all human failings, is that in our forgetfulness, we forget that this relatedness is the reality. Every breath we take, Every time we feel a sensation of touch on the ground, every time we open our eyes, every time we hear a sound from the world around, it simply confirms the inseparableness of this mystery of living. And perhaps in that, perhaps sometimes, just one gesture of relatedness of which there's no end to the depth of discovery of it is in a marvellous way the revelation of relatedness in all areas. Discover it in one, open the heart and it's found everywhere. we allow ourselves, if we give ourselves permission, then this relatedness is expressed and found and discovered and rediscovered day after day after day. And in an extraordinary way, just as the man playing with the kitten found something, just as the The Buddha has said, this life is lived for this. In that way of finding that in giving and serving and sharing is in its own magical way what feeds us, what nourishes us. And therefore I say that a meditative awareness in life, an appreciation of silence, the sensing of the way silence holds all things together, is profoundly important for humanness. the actualizing of our full of fullness in life, just to be still, to be silent, to be together, to sense the relatedness and to allow the feeling of that to flow freely through the being. That feeling, deep, mysterious, and profound, waters the whole of existence. It's the true reverence for all this mystery. May all beings live with awareness. May all beings touch silence. May all beings live with love. Let us have two or three minute silent period together please.